like this leaf picture that I made one day at Hatfield Forest. Whatever we're doing, let's remember that God is always with us and we can trust in him. Good morning. Welcome. It's uh, good to be with you. I uh, don't f- quite feel like Daniel in the lion's den right now, but it's interesting to speak to a camera and the few who are gathered here who've been serving us today and uh, preach to you in your homes. Uh, it's great opportunity to be able to do this, and we look forward to being able to do it with a gathered, increased uh, number of people as we go forward. So we're going to start uh, now with the second part of our Scattered Servants series. I hope you got your Bibles with you. We're working through the book of Philippians, that book that Paul wrote while he was in prison to the church in Philippi. Now, I'm just going to outline some of the broad themes that come from this first section of the chapter one of Philippians. Now, Paul introduces this. You may have a title of Thanksgiving and Prayer in your Bible. And Paul introduces some broad themes in terms of his relationship with the church there in Philippi and what God's been doing. He talks in verse 5 about the church partnering with him and being trusted with the good news that this is for all of us to be involved in, not just the few who may stand in front of camera, but the whole church, Paul is saying. It's so good that you partnered with me in the gospel And you're pursuing the king and his kingdom wherever you live. So God is at work in us to completion. Paul says in verse 6, you know, he's working this stuff out in our lives. He's working with us. He writes elsewhere to the church in Ephesus that we are Christ's workmanship, created to do amazing good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. So he said in this framework, you are trusted with the good news and God is at work in and amongst you for his purposes. His special favour, his grace is on us as we share the good news, as we bring the kingdom of God into different situations. Like I say, it's not for the particular few. He's talking to the whole church and praising them and thanking them for what they're doing. And as we do this, we get the joy of being able to partner with God and see people come into a relationship with him and celebrate and glorify the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So this is this broad view of his appreciation for the church in Philippi and what they're doing. But today, what I want us to do is hone in on verses Um, that follow this in a bit more detail. So let's focus in on verses 9 to 11. Paul is now shifting from thanksgiving in those earliest verses through to a prayer. And it's often when Paul prays that we get a good idea of what he's really passionate about what he's caught from God in terms of a vision for the church and for people, and what he's experienced in his own life as well, directly by the work of Holy Spirit in him. And he prays this, I pray that your love will overflow 
more and more. And that you'll keep on growing in knowledge and understanding. For I want you to understand what really matters so that you may live pure and blameless lives until the day of Christ's return. May you always be filled with the fruit of your salvation, the righteous character produced in your life by Jesus Christ, for this will bring much glory and praise to God. I want to build what I'm talking about today around the word for save, sozo. Now this word save encapsulates a lot of different things, not just the fact that we are saved from God's judgment towards us through Jesus Christ. It actually incorporates other ideas of healing, being preserved, being able to do well and to be made or to make whole. And it's this idea in the word sozo that when we're saved by God, we're not just saved for eternity, but we're saved now as well in the renewing of our minds and our understanding and our spirits and our strengthening in God by the work of Holy Spirit in us. It's an ongoing dynamic process. You see, redemption is what God does for you. He's bought us at a price. He's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his Son, into the light. Now, the word sanctification, the being made like Christ and being cleansed and gotten rid of all the wrong thinking and all the wrong ideas and the wrong motivations, and all of that is a process we go through in this life. And it's what God does in us. And then we have mission, what God does through you. Now, sometimes we can jump ahead from redemption directly into mission. And then sometimes we can come across some difficulties because we have unresolved stuff in our lives that means perhaps that we don't really believe what Jesus says, that we don't really believe he's with us, we don't really understand our identity as who we are as children of God, and we don't understand the authority that we have as children of God. And therefore, we kind of get stuck. And sometimes our expression of the kingdom of God can be like a competition of niceness. Who can be nicer in order the workplace or at school or wherever? But actually, God calls us to be whole, whole people, so that we're able to convey not just the message of the good news of Jesus Christ, but also effect his work and influence in the world around us. And sometimes we struggle with that bit because our identity and our understanding of self hasn't been sorted out. And it's that process of sanctification. Now, in this earlier verse that Paul is praying, we've got a lot of these key elements in his prayer. And what I'd like us to do is explore some of these as we go forward. So using the letters of Sozo, I've got four headings. And the first one is this. Paul opens his prayer by talking about us overflowing in love more and more. He says, I pray your love will overflow 
more and more. Now we know that the source of love is God himself. And the gospel writers and the whole of the scripture talks about the fact that God is love. John hones in on this in his small letters to the churches, that God is love. And it's from this place's identity as the children of God that we live. We live from a proposition of love in the first instance. There's a story in 1930s New York where LaGuardia, who was mayor at the time, decided to sit in on the night court that was happening. And while he was presiding over the court, this elderly lady was brought in, convicted of stealing some bread. LaGuardia looked at her situation and he said, the law states that your offence against the state means you must be fined $10. But recognising she had no ability to pay whatsoever, takes the $10 out of his own pocket and passes it to the bailiff. Then he says, I'm now going to fine everybody in the courtroom 50 cents for allowing the town that you live in to create a situation where an elderly woman has to steal a loaf of bread to survive. That lady walked out of that courtroom with $47.50 in her pocket. That's equivalent to around $1,500 today. This is an expression of the goodness and the kindness of God. The gospel message. Yes, we've offended God, but he looks at our circumstances and sees us as powerless. And in love, he gives of himself to pay the penalty of right justice. So we don't get what we deserve we get blessing, we get life, and actually we walk out of an encounter with God, having accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour, having understood that we've been offensive towards God in our wrong behaviour, we walk out of that setting, not only having Jesus paid the price, but we also walk out with blessings beyond our wildest imaginations, blessings that make us whole that give us an identity of sonship as children of God blessings that mean that we need no longer fear having a shortfall but actually we can trust our father in heaven who says taste and see that I'm good and we can journey with him in that identity now it's the Holy Spirit who produces this overflow of love in our lives and Jesus said, streams of living water are going to flow through you. Now, sometimes I ask myself why these streams aren't gushing as much as they could be. And that's where we come on to the next part of Paul's prayer. Growth in knowledge and understanding. Now, we understand what knowledge is, don't we? Knowledge is information. And what we do is we take God's word, as Paul wrote in Romans 12 too, and we renew our thinking. We find out what the ways of God are and how we follow in his ways. And we can see what we need to do in the expression of our sexuality or the, how we handle our money 
or what's the right and ethical practice before God in our lives. And we can work that out from the scriptures. What's slightly harder is trying to understand what's going on in our hearts. Understanding the heart and our heart is an interesting biblical concept. We know that God tells us to love him with all our hearts, all our minds, all our strength. And so the challenge is, okay, well, what's the difference between my mind and my heart? Well, it's from the heart that we understand who we are and how we see ourselves in a frame of reference with the rest of the world. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. There's this deep reality in the middle of us that tells us who we are and what we're like and what the world thinks of us. It's this place of belief where our thoughts produce feelings and behaviours. Now, our beliefs here are rooted in conscious thoughts or involuntarily learnt by experiences and events. We've got this phrase, don't take it to heart, or they really took it to heart. And there's these different situations as we grow that affect what we understand of ourselves and the world around us. Indeed, it's believed that our identity and how we understand ourselves is pretty much set by the time we're 10 years old. So any experience we have from early years through to about 10 years old is going to set our framework of interaction with others, what they say and what we hear. And so when God says to us that he wants to save us and that heal element of sozo comes into play, part of that is resolving what we might wrongly believe in our hearts about who we are and what we're like. Some of these identity beliefs can easily be encapsulated in statements that we might think to ourselves or play out in situations. We might think, I'm not lovable, I can't be loved, I'm worthless, I'm just not good enough, or not important, or I just don't matter. And there may have been circumstances in those early years that formed that belief in you, either by what was spoken or by what you experienced. You could have experiences where there's no one to protect you, that no one cares or wants you around. And God wants to speak into your heart and he wants to make you whole. He wants to bring healing and he wants to resolve that. He wants to sozo your heart. Jesus said, I've come to set the captive free, to bind up the brokenhearted. And that's a part of this journey of sanctification that we want to allow God to do in us. And as he does that in us and we become free, we find we're able to bring others into freedom as well. Jesus said, I'll give you my spirit, even the spirit of truth, and he'll lead you into all truth. So we start to interact with Holy Spirit and find out what's really going on in here so we can be truly free and bring the kingdom of God and his liberty to others. Now, let's have a zoom on into what Paul talks about next. What he wants us to focus on here 
is what really matters. So he's talking about the origin being filled with Holy Spirit. And he's talking about us being made whole in our thinking and our understanding. And then he says, I want you to focus in on what's really important in life. Jesus said it, didn't he? He said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and everything else will get added to you. He's asking us to have a primary focus on what's most important. And as we drill in and we catch his gaze on what do we want me to do today in my workplace, in my home, as I travel, we start to explore more of his kingdom rule and what it looks like to walk in the steps of our king and follow him wherever he leads. Jesus said, as the Father sends me, so I'm sending you. And then Jesus passed that on. So here's the thing. What do I do with this mission that God's given me? How do I share it? What does it look like? Where do I go? As I said earlier, God has prepared works for you in advance to do in Christ Jesus. And so it's for you to explore what does it look like, Lord, for me to run with you and to be a scattered servant, to take the kingdom of God with me wherever I go into whatever context I find myself. What does it look like? And that's something you can be exploring and reading as you go through the Scattered Servants book. Chapter 3 is particularly pertinent around our identity and our authority and the way God trusts us with the gift of the word, the good news, but also his Holy Spirit. So what do I do with that? Now, if we get to a position where that feels too much and I don't know what to do with it and I'm not sure, then can I encourage you to get some help with that? Speak to people in your community group. If you're not in one, get in one. And if you can't get in one, then be connected with people at the times that you're able to be connected so you can talk some of these things through so that as we journey together, we can encourage one another and we can see ourselves entering into greater and greater freedom in Jesus. So the next thing that we've had, so we've started with the overflowing love. That's the baseline. That's the good news of the gospel. That's the, I have been sanctified, I've been being caught up in the goodness of God. It's his love that overflows. Paul says, I want that love to overflow more and more and more. And then he says, I want your Noah and your believer to get in line with what I want you to do, but also how I want you to see yourself in your identity as my child. And if you need help in that area, then we've got Transforming Prayer Team who'd love to spend some time with you to go through and explore with Holy Spirit leading what it looks like to step into freedom. And then we've got here what really matters. God loves to work in our heart to resolve the things. And sometimes we can do activities in parallel, but sometimes he says, not until I've sorted your heart not until you're ready to carry the weight I want to put on you or the circumstances I want you to step in. I want to make you whole and then I want to move you into that situation where you can serve me. And so we focus on what really matters to the Lord. And then the last one is an amazing phrase where we overflow with the fruit of salvation. It's in the end of this that Paul talks about us having the character 
developed and the character in us of Jesus Christ himself, which is an amazing work of God in us, where he is able by his spirit to gently mould us like clay on the potter's wheel and form us into a shape for his glory, where all the difficult things that we've struggled in our inner being with get moved away and they're replaced by identity in the king and identity as the children of God. And it's in that place that as the character of Jesus grows in us, people become naturally attracted to us as we allow the streams of living water to flow through us and into the communities around. Now, as you saw me flick the button there, this is the end. So let's just pray before we go to any of the following information. Father God, we thank you that you are a God who doesn't just pluck us out of darkness and say, right, here's a set of instructions, go get on with it. But you are a God who not only takes us from darkness and brings us into light, but you heal us and restore us along the way. You bind up our broken hearts. You strengthen what's weak. You set us free from captivity of wrong thinking. You open our eyes from blindness in our thinking that may have been caused by life experiences and you bring us into the truth. And so, Holy Spirit, I ask, will you minister to us as a church? Will you bring us into greater and greater truth, individually and corporately? Would you enable us to see ourselves as you see us and to leave behind what you don't want us to carry, those burdens, those incorrect heart beliefs? Leave them behind, take them off and walk into the freedom that you call us into and enable us to be your servants who operate in liberty, freedom, grace and joy wherever you send us. Come do this and so much more, we ask, in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I've got a couple of pieces of 